Welcome to the podcast that explores eudaimonia. Euda what? Eudaimonia is the pursuit of well-being based on our individual needs, which I love because we are all unique and therefore our pursuit of wellness should be unique too. I'm a big fan of individualized, personalized care. There's no one size fits all. I'm your host, Emily Geiser. I'm a nature-loving, spiritually curious health and life coach who rarely runs out of questions, so I decided to host an interview-style podcast so that I can ask all the questions that I want. Each week, we'll dive into topics of personal development, nutrition, spirituality, mental health, and well-being with guests who generously share their tools and expertise. If you enjoy what you hear, please be sure to follow on Apple or subscribe on Spotify. It helps the podcast and you'll be alerted each week when a new episode drops. Let's dive in. All right, today we have Landy Peak with us. Her specialty is helping overstretched entrepreneurs take control of their time and energy so that they can create a life they love, prioritizing fun, family, and themselves. Landy is a growth mindset coach, occupational therapist, and somatic experiencing therapist who has spent the past 12 plus years helping people create positive change in their lives. She's a mom of two and loves hiking and watching her backyard chickens. Welcome, Landy. Well, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. In the intro I just read, we specified your work is with entrepreneurs. And while that speaks to me and maybe Mm -hmm. many listening, I know your wisdom is going to benefit anyone who feels like they're just surviving the daily chaos. Yes, because I work with entrepreneurs, but I also work with humans. And humans have very similar experiences. And a lot of times we think we're on our own little islands, Mm. but a lot of the things we're struggling with applies to just the human experience. So let's start big. Like, what do you think, what do you see as getting in the way of most of us thriving, if we can be that general? Ooh, what do I see getting in the way? Most of us thriving is ourselves. Mm. Honestly, we are our biggest blocks in our lives and in our businesses. But We get so much into our own stories, into our own beliefs, into our own thoughts, and we end up blocking what we want because of fear, because of worries of judgment, because of worries of rejection. And we end up trapping ourselves in our own little box instead of really allowing us to see that there are openings that we can get out, mm-hmm. that we can share ourselves authentically. And I think many times the people we're most attracted to are those people that are authentically themselves. I'm like, oh, those are the coolest people. At least in my life as I'm looking, I'm like, yes, that is somebody I need to be friends with because they are just showing their true colors. But it's really hard to get there. And so when I'm working with my, my clients and really in my own life, I'm always coming back to who do I need to be to create the life I want. So I stop working from the circumstances of I'm feeling afraid right now, of I don't have enough money right now, I don't have enough time right now, I don't have enough whatever is coming up. We get blocked in the circumstances of right now. Mm -hmm. And if we can shift over to who do I need to be, then it like opens up the doors and possibilities of like, oh, to be that successful person that I want to be or to be that author, to be the entrepreneur or to be whoever you want to be, I need to be this person. And thinking from that, it's so much easier because you step into that already done energy 
it's like, oh, okay, if I already had my book written and it's published, how would I be acting? How would I be talking? Oh, I'd be so confident. I'd be so excited. Can you tap into a little bit of that energy now? And it'll take you so much farther than just looking at, I don't have it done. I'm curious from what you're saying, if you said like, instead of defining ourselves by our circumstances, step into who we really want to be. And is who we really want to be our authentic self? I think when it comes down to it, for most of us, yes. If we can step into the feeling sense of it, instead of like thinking, oh my gosh, I consciously want to be a millionaire, right? That would be great because then all my money problems would be, you know, all of that stuff. If we step into what would it feel like to be that person? Then we're tapping down into our authentic self because we're tapping down into those that experience and not just the thoughts of what we want. Because our brains can tell us we want something. But I mean, I can talk myself in and out of a story like nobody's business. But if I come down into what would it feel like inside my body if I were a published author or a million dollar business owner? Or, you know, whatever it is that's coming up. A chicken owner, for me, was a huge thing. I wanted chickens for a long time. And I stepped into, how would I feel if I got to watch chickens in my backyard every day? Oh my gosh, I would feel so good. This is an aligned action. This is my authentic, true self in stepping into, I want that because it allows me to feel good and feel peaceful. And feel, you know, there's so many feelings watching backyard chickens and it's really funny. But if we step into that feeling, I think we are tapping into our authentic self. And it's easier to guide our journey of life when we're going from that feeling of how we want to feel and creating that versus all the to-dos that we have to do. Because we get lost in to-dos so much. But if we can step into, okay, this to-do doesn't make me feel good. But this thing lights me up. Let's follow that thing that lights me up. I love that you're bringing this back to these like core feelings, which I do think really lead to our authenticity. It's, mm-hmm. it's one of the ways I help my clients set their goals, right? Because goals are important, but they're usually because we think they're going to make us feel a certain way. And so if we can start feeling the way we want to feel even before we hit that goal, it's like fast tracks that, right? Absolutely. I do the same with my clients Mm -hmm. because if we step into that feeling, you are, it's making that, it's fast tracking. I love that term. It's fast tracking where we want to go. It's really making it easier too because it takes away all of the distraction. And if you can step into that feeling right now, it's like, it's A, you get to feel powerful and good inside your body and authentically lit up right now versus waiting for that something to happen. But it also helps you get aligned and take aligned actions to get you there. So it's just like, here we go, going from like, we can go this weighty line or we can do a straight line here. And it can be hard because a lot of people aren't taught to step into their feelings. And like, how does this make me feel? Does this light me up? We're taught to use our conscious brain of, is this the right choice? And There's not a right or wrong choice. I mean, we can have the exact same circumstance and make different choices and it's going to be perfect for each one of us. It's coming back to, is this the perfect thing for you? Is this the next best step for you? I love that. And I think also 
aligning with feelings allows us to find more joy even in, in the things we don't yes. like to do mm-hmm. because there's always going to be stuff we don't like to do right but if Absolutely. you know how you want to feel then you can kind of put that template over anything that you're doing like how can I bring more joy and ease into this particular thing or whatever your yeah. you know core feelings exactly. are exactly so you know, how can I, if I want to feel joyful, expansive, how can I bring that into house cleaning? You know, can I turn on music and really rock out? How can I, you know, my least probably favorite thing is sitting down and doing accounting stuff. But how can I make that fun for me? What do I need to bring into that experience so that it's a better experience for me? And it's so much of what I do and talk about is that experiential living and life because it really is powerful when we get to design our life to create the experience that we want. This reminds me of when my husband and I were focusing on finances and setting tight budgets mm-hmm. a couple of decades ago, and it was like stressful and it felt like a little bit of a grind. And a coach at that point said to me, like, make money dates, make it a really joyful yeah. time. And so we would set dates and do something enjoyable mm-hmm. while we were discussing the budget just to infuse it with goodness and abundance, because that's really what our budget is. That's what it's leading us to. That's the purpose of that goal, right? So yes, absolutely. I do the same thing. It's so funny you say money dates. We do the same thing and it is a date. And that's my accounting time is my money date. And I set that date and I come in with a, you know, fun attitude. So whether I'm sitting there with, you know, a great coffee or a glass of wine, this gets to be something that is fun. and. I'm creating a relationship with money and it's not because, I mean, just like with humans, we can have each person can have a different relationship with a human. We can each have a different relationship with that money. And sometimes that relationship feels stressed and sometimes that relationship feels good, but we're building that relationship. So with that date language, it was easier for my brain to say, oh, this is a relationship and we get to know money and we get to you know, figure out how it is to be with money and around money and experience money, just like you would another person. And it took out a lot of the negative feelings I had around it and got to be, oh, okay, this can be fun. This can be cool. We can really set this up to be a good experience versus something that's stressful. I love that. So I kind of took you on a tangent of my own of my own That's thinking okay. here. We're weaving. We are weaving. But I'd love to hear how you bring this back to stressed out people. Yes. So many of the clients I work with, and I definitely hit that point in my life, where I had way too much on my plate, really overstretched, really good at saying yes, not so good at saying no. And what it comes back to is really being able to first value our own time and respect ourselves and our own time. And then we can prioritize what kind of things are really what we want to have in our lives. Because it's too easy to say, yes, I'll be. And I'm a mom. So I've got kiddo stuff and opportunities to volunteer. Yes, I could sign up to do all of the activities and be, you know, the parent that does everything, but that's not going to light me up. It's going to end up pulling too much, putting too much on my plate, pulling me in too many directions. And so I got really good at coming into that. Who do I need to be? And who do I need to be is really prioritized on family is big, but it's real time with family. So an activity that is maybe supporting my kids 
sports or school, but isn't giving me quality time with my family, isn't going to be something that is going to be prioritized. That's not lighting me up. Yes, somebody needs to do it, but it's not going to be the thing I'm going to volunteer for. Being at the class parties and that room mom, yes, that is fun because I'm experiencing those things with my kiddos. That's a priority. That's where I'm going to shift. You know, making myself a priority and money a priority was huge in my business because as long as I was ignoring it, I wasn't being able to manage it well. I wasn't having it come in. I was coming in. It was going out. So I'm looking at like, where are my core values? Who do I need to be? And where are my priorities to create the life I want to create? And it's really a powerful shift because we get to start saying, oh, wait, I get to choose here. I have the power, excuse me, I have the power here to be able to create my own life. And it was really powerful for me to say, oh, this isn't just happening to me, but I have a conscious choice in everything in my life to create my life. And it's a huge shift. I feel like when we talk about this, it can sound oversimplified. And the little bit that I know, and I know you know more about nervous system, just helps me know that the way this lands inside our body is like dramatically different. Yeah. Whether we're feeling the stress and the the burnout and the forced obligation to whether we're feeling lit up and motivated to do something. So can you yeah. speak a little bit about really the importance of how it lands in the body and how that plays out? Yes, absolutely. So our nervous system is that regulation of a lot of people think of it that fight or flight or freeze, but it's how we are responding to stress. And with our nervous system, we have different points where, you know, if you're just walking down the street and you hear a snap of a twig, it's, that's orienting like, oh, what is that? Oh, it's just a squirrel. No big deal. We're doing this throughout our entire day and with relationships of each other. So when we're putting ourselves out there, we're really allowing our nervous system to say, are we safe? Are we okay in every situation? And it gets to be, we think of stressful situations, but our nervous system can be overstretched and overstressed in really good situations as well. And so when we're having it land in our body, it's just being able to go, oh, okay, I have this sensation coming up. What is this? And I had a client that was just sharing on Monday where she just gave this huge public speech. And it's kind of the end of one part of her life, start of something new and, and great. And she's coming out of this big public speech. And she said, I hit the door and I had this huge surge of anxiety. And instead of just pushing through it and going on, she's like, I heard your voice in my head and I paused and I said, what is this? And in, so many of us push through those feelings. But if we come back to pause and say, okay, there's a sensation going on. What is this? And she's like, ah, there's some real excitement over just what I accomplished. There's some grief here. There's an excitement for what's next. And there is a fear of judgment because I just spoke out in a public way. and what are people going to say now? And so just coming into that pause of what is this, this buzzing feeling in my body, what is this? And there was, it was a really big, good thing for her. 
But the good can stress our nervous system as well as like, oh, here's something niggling, fear of judgments and actually letting go grief. And we can hold it all together. And a lot of what I work on is expanding the nervous system's capacity to hold more so we don't get shut down. So one of my big phrases that I use is and. So let go of but in your vocabulary and bring in the word and. So I have grief and I have elation. I have, you know, this sadness and I have joy. I have this fear of judgment and I am so excited for the future and what I just did. When we tie it and, it's like, oh, I can hold all of these different emotions and feelings. And that's the human experience is we have all of these comes, coming up. I can hold these and be okay with that. But when we put in the but, we end up closing a door. And so it's like, I have grief, but, oh, wait, I can't even feel this other thing. And so it's just like, oh, wait, I can acknowledge, I can be aware, and then I can say, can I hold this? And I play with the ability to hold more. So when we start feeling the buzzy excitement or buzzy stressed feeling or overwhelmed, pausing in that moment and saying, oh, okay, all of this is coming up. Can I hold it? Is it too much? Can I stretch a little bit to hold a little bit more? And it's fun to just play with that. Oh, I'm just playing with the capacity. It's like, you know, a, a glass and you're filling it with water. Can it hold a little bit more? What's that like? And just noticing what it's like inside your body. That's really brilliant. I think a big barrier to entry here is huh? tuning in yeah. and being willing to feel those feelings. Absolutely, because it's scary. Oh my gosh, I have another client that just came to mind as you said that. And her biggest, she is really successful, but pushes through everything. And our biggest thing that we've been working on the last couple of weeks is tuning into those feelings because she has experienced really strong negative emotions and strong positive emotions, really amazing things happening in her life just in the last couple of weeks. And she was going through and she's like, and this happened. And then I went to baseball and then I went to this and then I went to this and then I went to this. I'm like, hold on. Did you breathe after this big thing happened? She's like, oh, no. Like, okay, how come? She's like, well, if I breathe, I'm going to melt down. Like, I can't handle that. It's all going to come crashing down. And that's a fear of a lot of people. And it definitely was for me. I was that person like 10 years ago that like my mind was constantly going. There was never silence inside. It was on to the next thing. It was it, even if there wasn't anything, I had a song playing in my head. Like I didn't realize there are humans out there that have silence in their heads. I was like, oh, what? Whoa, this is new. And we have this fear if we do take that moment to pause, if we're alone with ourselves, that all of this stuff that we've been hiding might come out. And I don't know if I can control that. I don't know if I can handle that. I don't know if I want to look at that. And that seems too scary. And the way that I have designed my life where I just go one thing, one thing, one thing, one thing, one thing is safe because I know it. Because I know I never have to look at those feelings. I know what happens. And I've experienced it before. And so we come back to that safety feeling of how it is currently because know it. And that was the way she was doing it. And so inviting her to take just five minutes a day, five minutes a day of silence just to sit with her was really scary. 
And I remember doing it with myself the very first time, like I sat in silence and I'm like, I felt like a caged tiger going around. I had a coach who had challenged me with this. And it's like no paper, no phones, no music. You're in a room by yourself. Can't be outside because there's too much distractions. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what do I do? And I'm pacing and I can't do this. And then I allowed myself and I did about an hour for the first time. And um, I allowed myself to just like let the monkey mind go. And then it started settling. And then it got to be like, oh, hi. Okay, this is okay. And guess what? Nothing is erupting out of here. I could just be in that silence and give that pause. I still had control. And I didn't think I would if I gave that space. And so same thing with my client that we've been walking through is it was so scary at first. She's like, my skin is crawling. But then, oh, wait, this is okay. And I kind of like this. And so she's expanded her time and is taking that moment breath too of, okay, this happens. I'm going to allow it to breathe. And I got a message from her yesterday. Something big happened. She's like, and I'm celebrating it. Mm. It's just like, I'm sitting five minutes in my car before I head off to the kids thing and I'm celebrating it. And that's huge to be able to go, okay, yes, it might be scary, but I can be curious and open to this. And you have a choice because you can always go back to the way that you've been creating your life. You have the choice. You can try something new and you can always go back to the last thing that you've done and let go of this. So there's power in that choice. There's a lot of power in there. And what you are describing, going from like the rat race mentality Mm -hmm. to tuning in and knowing what it feels like to experience some quiet and calm which I'm hoping your brain experiences now, right? Absolutely. There is silence inside my head unless I'm actively thinking, which is lovely. Amazing. Yes. Yes. Mark your calendars. My free five-day sugar detox starts soon. I know some of you are going to want to repeat this, so I'm happy that you're signing back up. I also redo it each time that I lead it, so I love that regular reset. Some of you are brand new and are curious and maybe scared. So I want to let you know that during these five days, you'll get to choose your level of intensity. I have three different levels that I offer, ranging from just basic eliminating white sugar to eliminating all sweeteners and managing your glycemic load. So here's a little side note. We're not ditching sugar because sugar itself is bad. We're ditching it because a reset is really helpful for changing your cravings, improving your skin, improving your energy, reducing that belly bloat, and just establishing a new relationship with sugar. Because sugar's not bad, it's just the amount that we eat that has become a problem. It's making us sick, quite honestly, and I don't mean like you might be having more colds, though it does weaken our immune system, but like it accelerates the aging in our skin and the inflammation and pain in the body. It adds to stubborn weight. It creates all kinds of hormonal imbalances, leads to prediabetes. It's just really important to occasionally recalibrate that relationship. And so I am happy to lead this and do it. I have found it to be transformational in my own health. When you take sugar out of your diet, even just for five days, you notice benefits very quickly. So this sugar shake-off begins after Labor Day, but go ahead, go to my website, sign up now, grab your spot, and you'll receive emails ahead of time with some helpful recipes and tips that set you up for success. And then you'll receive an email on each day of the five-day detox helping to keep your mindset in the right place so that you can feel successful. Of course, you can find details below in the show notes, on my website, on Instagram. Sign up today.
Well, that leads me to a tangent question. I hope I remember the question I wanted to come back to. But I think people think that if their mind's busy, they're also highly productive. And I'm curious from you, in your experience of having quiet in your mind now, are you lazy and less productive and just kind of sitting around like a blob? Or do you actually get to be a contributing member of society? I am actually more productive and um, able to contribute more and more creative in how I am expressing me and able to tune in with clients, able to, you know, work with my family because I have a better sense of who I am. I also have more space and pause. So I don't have to like rush through things. I get to consciously choose things versus react. And I love that space. And even I have young kids. So even in the like tantruming space, that they are having huge, big emotions, I'm no longer reactive because I have that space to be able to step back and that self-awareness to go, okay, I can be here. I can see these big emotions. I can stand with these big emotions. They don't scare me. And then I can be there for them. And it's not triggering anything in me. And it's taken me time and working with my own nervous system and my own internal triggers to get there where it can be like, okay, I can just be here and more conscious and present and aware and make more conscious choices from this space than the go, 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 react, react, react space that I was in before. And what a gift to them. It's like the ripple effects of a regulated nervous system is that you really get to, you can really get to help them learn what that looks like and feels like. And then your kids can feel safe too. Absolutely. Huge shift in kiddos, but also in the adults in my life. Mm. As I've had a regulated nervous system, not that anybody else is doing that work, but I've noticed shift in friends, in my partner, in my clients, because I'm able to really tune into my body and not be that reactive to say, oh, okay, there is a trigger there. I might feel those big emotions, but I don't have to react with them. I can look at them, get curious about them and say, okay, especially with kids, like kids throw everything up. Like, oh, this is my thing from my childhood. I'm reacting or feeling this big emotion because this was something I didn't get as a child or it wasn't okay for me as a child. But I'm consciously saying this is okay for my child. And, you know, so big emotions might be a big one where that wasn't okay for me, but I'm like, let's experience this. Let's express this. It's okay to show anger and sadness as long as we're not hurting anyone else. It's okay to have that big emotion. It's okay to say, I'm really, really mad. You won't give me candy right now. And I can hold that and empathize with that and say, yes, I can totally see in here that you are really, really mad. I won't give you candy right now. And still home, hold firm to, but it's before bedtime and we're not going to have candy right now. It's right before bed, whatever it is versus like, oh my gosh, you can't have candy in this big kind of explosion because like, why would I have this big tantrum? And so it's coming in and having a better sense of me and a more grounded sense of me. And yes, I still have emotions and yes, I still have my own little outbursts. But that's being human as well. Mm -hmm. But it's looking at and seeing that those emotions and those outbursts are linked to an event that would be appropriate. 
So if something happens and anger comes out, it's an appropriate response for that event. Mm -hmm. That was a huge one versus like, oh my gosh, why am I blowing up at my kids right now when this isn't a big deal, but I can't control this blow up. It's coming. So it's coming back to, okay, this is an appropriate response for the event versus, and because we want to have those, that flexible emotions. We want to have lots of different things come up because that is human. We don't want to have just chill and calm. That's not normal, but we want to have more regulated. So we're not blowing up at little things and it gets to be like, oh, okay, this is a big response because this is a big event. This is a little response because this is a little event. It's been important for me to model that with my kids. Like when I react inappropriately to something that they do because of something that's that I'm holding within my own space, right? I haven't dealt with it myself to, to yeah. be able to come back to them and say, I'm sorry, I'm upset about something that happened earlier today. My reaction had nothing to do with what you were doing. I think it's such important modeling, one, to apologize and to own our feelings, but also I think it's really important for my kids to understand that how people react to them has almost nothing to do with them. Absolutely. Right. Yes, we are reacting to our own stuff, <laughs> not somebody else. And I totally agree. I am the first to apologize. But it's really amazing because my kids do it too. So I have modeled that when we have the big outbursts. And, you know, I have a five-year-old. So he's my biggest outburst one right now. And but there will be those big outbursts and then it'll come back and he'll say, I'm sorry, mama, I was just really upset. And that's OK. And those repairs are so important for our nervous system and our attachments because that's building a stronger relationship. So, yes, we're going to we're human. We're going to have those outbursts. We're going to have those big explosions that come out. And it's like, oh, my gosh, I was so awful right then. But we can come back and say, hey, I'm really sorry. Mama lost it right then. And it has nothing to do with you. You know, I was really upset. I wasn't able to control my volcanic eruption. And I'm really sorry. And then you see the kids do it as well. But we're modeling having a human experience and having those emotions. And I think mm -hmm. a lot of us were taught, I know I was, that those weren't okay. And so we didn't see the model of having a parent be upset and then repair. I'm doing it with my kids. I'm doing it with my husband. I do it with my friends. Because we're human, we're going to have different viewpoints and different experiences and different past triggers that are coming into these mixes. And if we can just bring it back to, okay, yes, this happened, but that's okay. That was a, you know, reaction and emotion, but I'm really sorry that it overflowed onto you. So my kids are older than yours. I have yeah. one who's almost 16 and one who's almost 19. Oh, wow. My eldest and I had a heated discussion last night. You're bringing this up for me. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't anything she did wrong. It was a, it was like an issue we were discussing mm -hmm. and I was feeling really heated by it. And when I do, I, I that comes through in how I speak. Mm -hmm. Yep. And she later, she was kind of shut down at the end. I was like, what's what's up? You, your mood is really shifted. She's like, I feel like you're mad at me. And it was a really great opportunity when there wasn't a charge just to be like, oh, wow, I'm not mad at all. Like, I was just energized by the conversation. Yes. And I think modeling all of these, like you're saying, a full range of emotions is such a human experience. Mm -hmm. And I think our generation was really raised with around a mm -hmm. 
or and maybe because our parents have less comfort with the full range of emotions, right? right? As we as we are evolving as humans, we're becoming more comfortable with the full range of emotion. I'm happy to see as a parent of aging kids, we can continue to have these really honest and maybe emotional sometimes conversations. Yes, absolutely. That's a beautiful story because yeah. it is. It's so powerful. And to be able to tune in. I think when you're in a different space with your nervous system where you're not so reactive and kind of stuck in that trauma cycle, you're able to see and connect at a different level with people. And a lot of us, I mean, my kind of nervous system prior was I was really attuned and watching to see what was going to happen with somebody. So I was really attuned with people, but I wasn't able to connect with them on a deep level. It was more of that self-protective of I need to be attuned with your emotions to keep you happy so that I can be safe and okay. And in that shift, it gets to be, oh, okay, I can see and really attune with you that there is something going on and that you were like your daughter, like, there's a huge shift here. There's some sadness in what's coming up here. And I feel like you're mad. And then be able to come back and say, oh, okay, I'm not mad. I was just really heated. Yeah. But that's a whole different shift versus, oh my gosh, is she mad? Did I make you mad? Oh my gosh, what's the matter? Now I made and I have to fix it. We're coming at a different space because our nervous systems are more regulated. So we're able to have a flexible response and be going, okay, so this is this, but it doesn't have to have anything to do with me. And I can still respond and I can still support, but I'm not tied in in the same way. So when you talk about nervous system regulation, do you feel like you get it regulated? Like there's like an endpoint you're working towards, or is it then a process of regulating your with your nervous system? Because Yeah, great question. I think there's both. Hmm. I think if we are somebody that has been stuck in the trauma cycle. So something big has happened or we've had an accumulation of stress and our nervous system is kind of stuck in the cycle. So um, the trauma cycle is our stress cycle. How are we reacting to stress? Are we, uh, you know, constantly on the alert? Something's going to happen. Something's going to happen. Something's going to happen that has a high anxiety feel that you can be stuck in that kind of spot in our, that stress cycle. It can be I'm stuck in the fight response where if you get stressed, you come out swinging and you're ready to fight no matter what. And it doesn't have to be a threat there that's coming in. But it is that, you know, somebody cuts you off in traffic and you are ready to yell at them. That can be that fight response, right? You know, your kiddo says something to you or your partner says something to you and you're coming out and it's like you're ready to fight. You can be stuck in that fight response. You can be stuck in the flea response where it's like, okay, something happens and I'm going to run. Like mm -hmm. if there's stress or confrontation, I'm out of here. And that becomes the pattern in you or that freeze response where something big happens. There's a stressor, there's anger, there's something that, you know, stresses you out in a big way and you shut down. It's like, I'm done. I'm out. Check out. Or there can be a fawning response too that comes in there that's like really people pleasing. And so as we're going through that big stress response, if something has happened like a big trauma or accumulation of big stress, then you can be stuck in one of those. And that becomes your pattern. What I want to see in that nervous system is flexibility so that you're reacting in a way that's appropriate for that event. So if you need to fight, then fight response comes up. 
But if you need to flee, that run response comes up. If you need to freeze, that comes up. And if you're in the orienting space, you can say, this isn't even a threat. We want that flexibility. So if you're stuck in one of those, we want to have support so that you can complete whatever story that came up that's keeping you stuck in that stress response. So you can complete the trauma cycle, shift out of it, and go back to this flexibility. Once we're in this flexibility, then yes, we're going up and in and out and re-regulating each time. And each new big stressor, your nervous system is going to have to figure out how to deal with it. So with me personally, when I hit my, I think one of the biggest things that I did is I hit like 20K month in my business, which was phenomenal. This should be a really celebratory thing. But instead, I shut down. Because it was too big, too much. My nervous system couldn't handle that high level of capacity that I went like, oh my gosh, this is huge. This is amazing. You know, my coach is so excited, all of this kind of stuff. And it was like, oh my gosh, this is too much. My response was, I'm going to pull back. I'm going to shut down. And I was aware of it. So it was also on the back end working on helping it regulate and saying, okay, so let's pull this bigger capacity to... Holy moly, my business grew in an exponential way that I wasn't expecting. I now have more people that, and part of it was the more people that I'm supporting, the more income that I have coming in, and can I hold this bigger capacity? And so it took me a month of being able to go back and regulate. And then I came back out that next month and was able to go, yes, I can hold this bigger capacity of a business. I can run a bigger business. My nervous system is able to handle this without being really stressed. And then I bounced back into business and and it continued growing. But I literally shut down for that next month and I didn't do any sales. I didn't do any, like I served my clients that I had, but I didn't do anything else in big outreach because my nervous system needed time to handle the big success. And a lot of times we think of our nervous systems not handling the big stressors and a negative thing, but it happens on the positive end too. And so Yes, it's a let's get you flexible. And that's a short term thing that we want to get you there. But also, you're going to be working with your nervous system for the rest of your life. So there is going to be some flex and flow. There's going to be, oh, did I get a really stressor that I need to be able to regulate into? So it's both that we're working with. And you want to continue where you get to have that flexible nervous system. So you react to the event and the way that it's, you know, in an appropriate manner. I love that description. Hey, are you a label reader? I think you'll love my easy button here for the skincare industry. Labels can be so confusing. It's confusing in food, but it's also really confusing with our soap and shampoo and lotion and eye cream. The truth is that we saturate our body in hundreds of ingredients every day, and most have not been tested for safety. It just boggles my mind. So when it comes to skincare in particular, my favorite company is Beauty Counter. I've been using their products since 2014. That's also when I joined as a consultant. If you're ready to make the switch to clean beauty, and this is like really high performing clean beauty, I highly encourage you to shop Beauty Counter. The website is beautycounter.com backslash Emily Geyser. And there's a link and discount code in the show notes. I love that description. What are your steps then for setting the nervous system up for success? 
Ooh, I love that. So the first one is tuning into the body sensations. And this is huge. And many of us have not done that. And that was me when I was younger. Like I didn't tune into me at all. It was pushing past that. So coming up and I work with my clients around what is that sensation? You know, where do you feel that? When fear comes up in your body, where do you feel that fear? Is it in your tummy? Is it in your chest? What does it look like? I am very visual. So I'm asking questions with clients of, okay, so fear is coming up in my belly. What does it look like? What color is it? What shape is it? Does it have a texture in it? Because sometimes when we get some concrete visual around it, it doesn't seem as big and scary. Because to be like, oh, okay, there's this green blob that is fuzzy in my belly. This is fear. Okay. So that's the number one is like, let's take this big abstract thing, make it a little bit more concrete so that we can get a better idea. And then what does it need? Well, this fear, oh my gosh, it would love like a big hug. Can I imagine coming in and giving this fear a big hug or imagine somebody in, somebody from like past experience or present experience coming in, giving me a big hug, right? Coming in and being that support system. So a lot of times I'm having people tune into that sensation, asking what that sensation needs or what would it say or how would it move? So we're looking at what needs to happen here with this sensation. And then the stories will come out around it. Oh my gosh, I remember from when I was a little girl that, you know, I was doing public speaking, you know, speaking to my class and somebody laughed and I felt so embarrassed and and that story got embedded into our little systems and it became bigger and bigger. And then it starts to come beliefs around who we are and what we're capable of. And it's just coming back there. So the first things are really tuning in. Labeling is huge. If you can't, if you don't want to feel it, because sometimes we're not in spaces that we can feel it, labeling it is huge. Oh, there's fear. One of my favorite phrases is, oh, hello, fear. We meet again. And I don't have to go into it, but I just get to say it's there and I see you. And that takes away some of the potency. And then as we're tuning in and figuring out what we need, then we can start re-figuring what we need to do from there. And so sometimes, you know, at deeper level therapy, we're going to be repatterning stories. Sometimes we're going to be just going, okay, here's this awareness. And, you know, thanks, Fear, for showing up for me. I don't need you right now. Because we're having that reptilian brain pop in saying, oh my gosh, in, you know, caveman days, this might have been a huge threat. Now it's not, you know, like, if I come out on a podcast and say something and people are like, oh my gosh, why is she saying that? That's ridiculous. And there's judgment. In Cayman days, that might have meant, okay, you're getting kicked out of the tribe and being kicked out of the tribe means you're probably not going to survive. Oh my gosh, I can't say that. I have to be inside my little bubble so that I can survive. It's not the case anymore. I say something on the podcast. There might be something, people saying, why is she saying that? I don't understand. There might be judgment. I'm still going to survive. I'm going to wake up tomorrow and it's going to be okay. It might be upsetting for me, but it's going to be okay. I'm going to survive. So I can talk to my fear and say, not really an appropriate reaction right now. I'm going to be okay. I'm still going to wake up tomorrow and I'm going to survive. And sometimes it's really talking to that. It's like, you're, it's okay. Like, I'm okay in this situation. I appreciate you letting me know that there's something here, but I'm okay. I love that point in internal family systems. They also like will talk to that 
maybe fear part, for example, and just say, like, do you know I'm like a 49-year-old woman now? Like, I'm not four anymore, right? Yes. Like, we've oh grown gosh. up a lot. Yeah. And so many of us are reacting emotionally at like that age of eight to 12. And that's where we got stuck in whatever big emotional thing happened because our little brains and bodies could not process that. And we weren't, you know, and a lot of times having, when I'm doing some of the inner work with clients is having you now go back to you then and talk to you and say, okay, look at, I survived. It's okay. Look at my successes. Look at the amazing places I am. I'm a grown up now and you're safe and it's okay. And it's really fun to play with because we are, we're a lot of these big things. And in our personal relationships too, we're reacting as this wounded child and not as an adult. And so it was a huge thing in my personal relationship with my husband as realizing that some of the stuff that was really triggering me and was causing these repeated fights with us were, oh, I'm reacting to my own childhood stuff. And it literally has nothing to do with you. It's just somehow you're triggering me around my own childhood stuff. And it's like, oh, okay, this makes sense. And then we get to separate out the two. It's really such important work. I mean, it's unbelievable to think about like operating for a lifetime out of kind of beliefs that we've taken on that we don't even know that we have. Yeah. So limiting to your point, right? The world is so, there's so much more available to us. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. One of the visuals I use with my clients, and it came from Emily Nagowski in one of her books, she talks about a garden. And so she talks it around sexual health. I use it for all, everything because it makes sense. And it's, we're born with a plot of land and every single person in our, especially important people, our parents, teachers, peers, you know, religion, media, doctors, we're all planting beliefs about ourselves in the garden. You are, and for me, it's like when I was little, my parents are entrepreneurs. I would go to work with them a lot and I was told, you know, to be quiet and you had to be really quiet. And we had a back little playroom and everything, but we were told to be quiet because we can't go screaming through the business. And it was my sister and I back there. So there were times that we would go screaming through the business as we're chasing each other. It's like, you have to be quiet back there. And I was rewarded for being quiet. And then when I went to preschool, that quiet got labeled as shy because that was the reference point that my preschool teacher had. So I grew up being quiet and shy. And it wasn't until I was an adult that I realized and I went through my garden and looked at, okay, quiet and shy had been planted in there. This no longer aligns with my beliefs and who I want to be. So I'm going to weed that out. And I'm not quiet or shy. But it was this internal belief that I'd held onto all the way through high school of I am a quiet, shy person and I'm not. And we have all of these different beliefs about us and what we're capable of, if we're good at math or bad at math, all of those things coming in that were planted. And as adults, we get the opportunity to go back through that garden, just like if we bought a house and we're going back through somebody else's garden and say, I don't like carrots and tomatoes. I'm going to plant, you know, lettuce and celery. We get to do the same thing. And we get to say, this is not who I am. I don't even believe this anymore. This is, you know, not aligning with who I want to be. I'm going to pull all those out. And then I get to plant in what I want. I'm confident. I get to, I love talking, you know, to people. I love being able to, you know, have public speeches. All of these things that now align with who I want to be 
And it's really powerful when you get to look through and sort through your beliefs and who you thought you were as a person was really who other people thought you should be. And you get to say, no, this is coming back to my authentic self. This is who I am and who I want to be. And I get to create that person now. I love that you're bringing it back full circle with the authentic self and your core desired feelings yes. that you want to have and having that be part of your intentional new garden. Absolutely. Amazing. Yeah. So tending to the garden sounds like another step in setting your nervous system up for success. Yeah. And nervous system up for success, too, is expectation hmm. in what we are expecting of ourselves and, you know, kind of the event. And it's looking at, am I expecting myself to do too much too big because that's what I should be doing versus what I really want to be doing? And then also being aware for setting yourself up for success is aware of those feelings and where I'm pushing myself too much. And I was one to really push myself in a big way, like I'm coming out big. And then I overstress my nervous system and I recoil. And that was a huge pattern in my life. Mm. But really being aware of, hey, wait, I can do one step at a time and play with this feels a little bit scary, but it's okay. So now I do five minutes of courage a day. And so I'm picking one task that, that takes less than five minutes to do that feels scary, but not overwhelming. And I think that's a big thing. Finding that happy balance between this is pushing me a little bit because I want to grow, but is not overwhelming my system. So it's like, oh, I'm going to sign up for a podcast that might feel too big to do and feel a little bit scary, but the application takes less than five minutes. <clears throat> it's I'm going to send that email. It's I'm going to sign up for, you know, keynote speaker of, you know, whatever. Put my name in the hat. It feels scary but it takes less than five minutes. Once it's done, I can go back to kind of a calm nervous system. So it's looking at if you want to grow and stretch it, small ways that you can do that. You've offered so many amazing tips here. I really appreciate all of this. I'm excited to go back and listen again and take notes on all of this because it's really, really juicy. Is there anything that you feel like you want to share here that I haven't known to ask you? I think many of us are working from our circumstance. And it's coming from when, then. So when I have accomplished this, then I will allow myself to do this. And it's really looking at one of the examples that I use is you're living in Colorado in the middle of winter. There's nine inches of snow and you want to go to Hawaii. But as you're going to Hawaii, you book the ticket, you're ready to go. You show up in Hawaii with winter coats, boots, and fuzzy sweaters. Because you're working from the circumstance of right now in Colorado, I have nine inches of snow. I need boots and coats and fuzzy sweaters. Not thinking about what you need in the future and what you need to create. And so many of us are just working from our existing circumstance now. Not thinking ahead to, if I go to Hawaii, I'm going to want bathing suits, shorts, you know, tank tops, and flip-flops. You need to be thinking about what do you need to have that in your life? What kind of support systems do you need to have in your life? For the big one for me, I want to have, you know, this big business, but I'm working from the circumstance of I'm a mom with two little kids and I can't have that big business because I don't have a babysitter. Instead of, oh, if I want this big business, and this was me literally for a couple of years when I was first starting, 
I like struggled with babysitter because I wouldn't allow myself to say, if I'm going to grow my big business, then I need to hire a really amazing babysitter to be this, you know, three days a week. It's all I work right now is three days a week and one admin day. But I need to have a solid babysitter for three days a week. Instead, I was trying to piecemeal the babysitter around the existing hours that I had, the existing clients that I had. I wasn't allowing myself to grow. I wasn't, I was preparing for Colorado in winter, not thinking Hawaii. And many of us get so stuck in, this is what I have, so this is what I'm going to give myself, versus this is what I want, so this is what I need to start to create. I need to, if I want a big, bigger business, I need to allow myself time and space to grow that bigger business, which means hiring that babysitter now, even though it feels ridiculous to have a babysitter when I don't have three full days of work. So once I shifted that, it's like, oh yeah, here's that support. And it's looking at whatever supports and things that we want that we can bring in. Because when we're thinking about what do we need when we go to that trip in Hawaii, we're going to set ourselves up for success. Versus what do I need now? Oh, right now I need snow boots. But in the future, in two weeks when I'm in Hawaii, I'm going to need a bathing suit. So let's buy the bathing suit now. Let's get those things. And it doesn't have to be huge expenses. But how can I start setting myself up for success? How can I start thinking about that future me? And I think that's huge in that shift in our setting up for success and really thinking about what am I going to need? Who am I going to be? when it's already done. That's really an important point. It's like future visioning, right? Yeah. Which mm -hmm. has practical benefits. And also that seems like it would just expand your nervous system's capacity right there. Yes. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. And another tap into the nervous system is using your different senses. Very visual. So I use a lot of visualizations, but and tapping into that feeling. So if I'm visualizing myself already done, already there, already in Hawaii, how would I feel? And that can get you a lot kind of tacking back to that beginning into that feeling cessation. So you start to feel good now versus waiting till you get there. And we do naturally daydream. And a lot of us daydream about the how, but start feeling about daydreaming about the feelings if it's already done. And it's amazing how powerful our minds are and what'll align and what'll start coming into our life when we start to daydream about it's already done. What would it be like if I already was in Hawaii versus daydreaming about how am I going to get there? I, you know, you don't, we don't daydream about the plane ride and waiting in the ticket lines and all of that. <laughs> but that's what we get to in our personal lives. We start to think, okay, so if I'm going to write that book, then I need to do this and this and this and this and this. Skip those, just like you would in that fantasy around Hawaii, like lay on the beach. How would it feel? How would it feel to be that published offer? How would it feel to be whatever it is? And that's going to be an amazing shift. And it's also stretching your nervous system in feeling what it's like to already have it. And maybe preve preventing some of that tailspin that might happen, like you were talking about, if you mm -hmm. achieve a lot of success, there can be that yes. tailspin. And Absolutely. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Love it. All right, Landy, one question that I ask all my guests is if you have a morning routine. So I'm curious if you do. And if so, what is it? Yes, absolutely. I have a morning routine. So I am just naturally a morning person. So I'm in the 5 a.m. club, but I have been in the 5 a.m. club since I was a little kid. 
So my morning routine is I love my space and quiet time before anybody else is up. So I get up, I have my meditation or hypnosis. I then have kind of quiet time with my coffee. I'm a big coffee lover. And really getting myself kind of set up for that, what I want in that day, that time in silence for me. Then I have my workout. Then I start getting kids up and ready for school during the school year. And I think one of the fun parts of our routine as we're going to school is on our way, I drive my kids to school to every day. On our way to school, I am going through and telling each kid amazing things that I see about them, that they are good friends or that they are. In, I, and I include, I love you and I like you. And this was a huge thing that came up from my grandmother, who was always like, you have to love your family, but you don't have to like them. And so really coming in and telling my kids, like, I love you and I like you every day. You know, you're a great friend. You're a great son. You're a great daughter. You know, you're creative and smart and fantastic and worthy and deserving. And whatever is just kind of feeling in the moment. So we start our day off with those kind of positive things from me. And so I do that for both of my kids. And then each kid gets to listen to or gets to choose a song that we listen to on the way to school. And so the, currently the songs that my son chose are Best Day by Kesha and Could Have Been Me by Halsey, which is, comes from Sing Too. So it's really fun to just listen to any what are the uplifting, motivating songs. Songs are big. Music's big in my household. So I tap into songs for both my morning routine and my nighttime, but also what resonates with them and kind of the power that we can have when we're setting up for a really positive day. So leave the house where everyone is feeling connected. Everyone is hearing positive things about themselves and setting it up into a way that, you know, when I say goodbye to them on their day, they are feeling good walking out. And that's like my biggest thing is I want them to set up and feel good walking out the door. And I think that comes from a lot of my childhood stuff of like, it was stressful getting out the door. And it was like, oh my gosh, can we just get to school? Let's be really conscious. And my early morning routine allows me to be in that space that I can be very conscious about my reactions and my interactions with my kiddos to allow us all to set up good. And that helps me too. And I drop off, you know, kids, I'm feeling good and positive. And then I can shift into my work with my clients, feeling good and positive. Mm, so good. That just feels good to listen to. I'm sure it feels good to be in that car. I love that that's your intention. Really a sign of a well-regulated nervous system. <laughs> right, <laughs> it comes in, but it takes, and you know, I wasn't always like this. It takes no. time and it takes work. Um, and tuning in. And I think that's a big thing is just, what is that? What is that sensation that's coming up? I love it. Thank you so much for this conversation. Oh, thank you. Where can people find you? What do you want to give a shout out to? Yes. So you can find me at Landy Peak, L-A-N-D-Y-P-E-E-K.com. Um, and that's my website or Landy Peak on Instagram or Landy Peak on Facebook. Those are my two biggest socials. And I love connecting. So I appreciate anyone who reaches out and I will personally connect with the enjoy growing that community. Fantastic. I will definitely link to all those in the show notes. I really appreciate your time today. You shared a ton of wisdom. So thank you so much. Well, thank you. This has been a fun conversation. If you love what you heard, please hit follow and pass along to a friend. 
You can help others find this podcast more easily by taking a moment to rate and review. And if you're curious what it's like to work with me or just want to learn more about the work I do in optimizing your own wellness, head to my website, emilygeiser.com. You can connect with me directly on Instagram at emilygeiser. Links for those are in the show notes. I'll be back next week and hope you will be too. Until then, think good thoughts and go for them. Thank mm-hmm. you.